show of the 16th year of Modern Homemakers Podcasting. Thank you for joining us. I don't know if you're one of the gals who's written this summer saying, when do we begin again? Or you've just been surfing this morning and found us. Or this evening after the children went to bed. Or a friend recommended, for whatever reason, you're here. We're very glad to have you. And if you haven't been here before, let me give you a little um, pathway, a little how the car travels around here. We are Modern Homemakers. Our entire goal is to encourage women, young and old, in four specific areas, and that is who they are as a woman, a wife, a mother, and a homemaker. And you're nodding, either you're one, two, three, four of those, or you're in the middle of two of them more seriously than the others. Wherever you stand, we um, determine to offer as many forms of encouragement as we can, every show and everything we do. So we welcome you. At the beginning of every year, we set some theme and we talk about what the year will look like. We do approximately 15 podcasts a month, and that gives us three times a week that we show up in your inbox if you've subscribed. We are not um, advertisers. We don't do any advertisement with any agencies or anybody, so you'll never get a promotion for anything. You'll get a few times a year a letter from Here's, here's Truly, but if you subscribe, uh, you will get notification of the podcast as they come in. So we encourage you to subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. Every year at the end of the season, because we only offer these podcasts um, through the school year from September to the end of May, if your kids still go into school in June, well, we're done by June. We take June, July, and August. It's been my habit. And the next time we're together, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what I did this summer, June, July, and August, and how I always come back recharged with a pile of books and things that I've read, and I always start um, our time together in this manner. So today, we're going to talk about that. The theme uh, for this year is set. And we ended last year with the summer challenge, the summer challenge of 2021, with enriching the soil of your soul. It was very profitable for me personally. We talked about the parable that is found in Mark 4, and these farmers who um, lived in that part of the world during the days the scripture um, was happening, um, was being uh, written, and they talk about these gardens. I talked about my own garden, my own vegetable garden, and my rose gardens. And I talked about what Eugene Peterson talks through in his Bible translation, The Message. He said that Jesus was never without a story when he spoke. 
And when he was alone with the disciples, he went over everything, sorting out the tangles and untying the knots. Do you love that? When Jesus was alone with his disciples, he sorted out the tangles and untied the knots of all the things and stories that he was teaching and telling those who followed him. I don't know if I can do what Jesus did and sort out the tangles and untie the knots, but I do know that the Summer Challenge is designed to give you something to concentrate on. And this Summer Challenge was this notion of enriching the soil of your soul. How'd you do? Did you hear that podcast? Did you recognize that your soil needed enriching in one specific area over another? There were four kinds of seeds that were thrown out, seeds that fell on the road, too hard to gather at all, gravel seeds that fell on the gravel, and they started, but they didn't thrive. And then there were the weed seeds, and the weed seeds were the ones that were planted among the weeds, and the weeds are stronger and choked them out. But then there was the rich soil. And when Jesus was telling the story, which he untangled and untied, with his disciples, he said, with this rich soil, we produce 30, 60, and 100% of yield. I want the work of my hand to produce something that brings glory to the Lord. So I'm going to tell you for a minute or two about my choice and what I needed to do to enrich the soil of my own soul. And most of the people who I've talked to about this, when I say this word to them, they laugh out loud. So go ahead, laugh out loud before I even say it. My word was less. (laughs) If you know me at all, um, really my word is usually more. More, 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 more. How do you feed a dinosaur? And um, I, I can be a dinosaur. And I can be a dinosaur about learning. I can be a dinosaur about more, 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 more with good and wonderful things. But the Lord was calling me to enrich my soil with less. And it kept popping up. Less. Less food. Less meals. Less meals. Not because I needed to diet or watch my weight or any of that. I just felt I needed to have less meals. And all summer long, I had two meals a day. I had two meals a day. Sometimes I'll have a piece of carbohydrate at night because I know it helps me sleep better. But I didn't miss it at all. And I only because I was thinking of less, less things to pack in my suitcase. Oh, you have no idea how I like to travel. I like to have everything I like and want and need. And the older you get, you know, you need more. And I have a close friend who's about my age, a little older, and she said, yeah, I need one case for all the toiletries. And I went, oh, she's so right. So my word was less. And I discovered that when I did less, I was able to do more. I discovered when I did less, I was able to do more. And part of the more I did was enriching my soul in a way that helped me to prepare for this new year. The theme for this year is a very strong word, which I know I mentioned toward the end of summer or spring break, and that was listening. And so the theme for our year 
at Modern Homemakers Podcast Ministry is listening for love and learning. Listening for love and learning. At the end of this parable, Jesus says, as he tells the parable and ends it in verse 9, he says, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Do you have ears to hear? Listen. We listen for love and we listen for learning. If we're listening for any other reason, I want to ask you to consider rearranging that reason. If you're listening so that you have something to tell someone about the person you just met, if you're listening so that you can reply and tell your own best story, I want you to rethink that. We have a free resource on our website, which is called The Sacred Steps of Listening, and you can find it there very easily, and it gives 10 reasons why, or 10, um, not not reasons, 10 steps that will help you um, become a better listener. So listen for love and learning. If we are listening to God because of our love for Him, if we are listening to our children, our husbands, our parents, our pastors, with the intention of love and learning, our listen, our whole entire listening will change. The psalmist in Psalm 46.10 says that we are to be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that I am God, the psalmist says. Be still. What does it mean to be still? Stillness is not stop jittering. Stillness is something far deeper. And the psalmist goes on to say, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations, and I am exalted on the earth. Well, if we exalt something over the nations and the earth, that means first place. That means top of the stack. That means always my priority. So if God calls us to be still, then he has a meaning and a message for it. I remember early on when I came to face this passage, I I was struck with, if I wasn't still, I couldn't know. And so my, my, my own counsel to myself was, do I really want to know? Do I really want to know God? And I'm asking you that question. Do you really want to know God? Not because you want to learn some new information or read another book or be able to comment on the newest theological conversation or how much you memorized or, or, or. But are you still because you really want to know Him? So this year we're going to talk about that. There'll be new voices. There'll be new instruction. There'll be guests. My husband's going to come in and spend a whole week with us um, just talking back and forth like husbands and wives talk back and forth, at least this husband and wife. There'll be questions and answers. There'll be many new things, including another voice joining us. So this summer, during my less time, I recognized what God was calling me to was retreat. 
and retreats, retreat, retreats, retreats, retreats. And I had no idea how it was all going to turn out, except that I did trust the Lord. For several years, decades really, of my life, ministry life, I traveled primarily America leading retreats. I would be called and invited to come and do a retreat. Some of those retreats were 100 women, some of them were 5,000 women. And as I traveled and engaged in various forms and sizes of retreats, I remember standing in the platform uh, for a conference retreat, it was called, and there were 5,000 people. And while I was teaching, I could hear in one of my tracks, I don't ever want you to do this again. And I thought, I had been asking God, there's a difference in how I feel, how I respond, how I react, how I prepare, how I think the message is being received, if there are 5,000 people or if there are 500 people. So some way, midway through those decades, I settled on small, small, smaller, better than larger. I think that gives me an opportunity to increase my community. I still prefer small. I still prefer small. In my opening remarks at every one of those retreats, I would always say, retreating is a cessation of what you normally do for something that you don't normally do. Now that's Webster's dictionary definition of retreat. Retreating is a cessation of what you normally do for something that you don't normally do. So I would suggest to the audience that they would be more quiet, less talk, little or no shopping. If we were at a hotel or a conference center, oh, where shopping was easy to find, that was always hard to do. The girls loved to do that. But even if you were in a small town, at a retreat center, they would drive to town on the afternoon off. Well, my dear friend Adele Calhoun, who is an author and a very gentle woman, has written several books my favorite being Invitations from God. And if you're new to Modern Homemakers, you can always count on book recommendations. We get invitations, don't we? Some we want, some we hope for, some we don't want, some we have to make a choice about. In the spring of this year, I felt God's invitation to retreat. I sought counsel from some friends and decided that I would make a longer than normal retreat. The pandemic was just ending in the spring of the year and I was able to book a place where I could retreat. Now, as I was getting ready for this, I was thinking about my very first retreat that I attended, okay, that I attended. For those of you who know me at all, have met me, have seen me, you know that I wear only black and white clothing well, I try to keep it simple. I'm not always simple, but I am always black and white, and I prefer to dress up. If you say jeans or slacks, I always say slacks. If you say skirt or dress or formal, or I always say dress up. I like to look dressed up. I, I grew up in Chicago. I, if it was a silk shirt or a t-shirt, it was always a silk shirt. I prefer that. So when I went to this retreat, um, I was thinking about cessation, but I was a guest, there were about 150 women. This is about four years ago. And we did some things we normally don't do, like sleep with each other. And we don't cook when we go to retreats. And we listen to lectures. And we also ate too much and talked too much. 
And when I arrived home, my heart was full of friendships and more knowledge about the topic that the speaker was sharing, but I was tired. I remember thinking, I was tired, maybe I was more tired than when I went to the retreat, maybe even exhausted. And I'm going to talk in the next few weeks about things that exhaust us, that draw us away from listening, that draw us away from being still. So if retreat is a cessation of daily life, and our daily life is full, busy, noisy, and I hear women often saying, I just need a little peace and quiet. I wish I had more time to read and pray. I hear you, and I join you in your desires, and I call this verse to you, uh, the verse we will use throughout the year in the theme of listening for love and learning. Be still and know that I am God. And I can still remember the first time that I recognized that stillness was not about knowing. Stillness was a posture that I could get in. Dallas Willard, who is now at home with Jesus, and I know he's very happy there, but he said, if you don't come apart for a while, you will come about apart after a while. If you don't come apart for a while, for a retreat, for a rest, for a stillness, you will come apart after a while. And C.S. Lewis in the Screw Tapes says to us that hell is the kingdom of noise. Hell is the kingdom of noise. And I think all C.S. Lewis ever knew was a train whistle, a car horn, maybe a bell ringing in a class, or a telephone that rang a few times a day. And I can hear your responses right now. Yes, dear Donna. And you're a lot like C.S. Lewis at this time in your life. You have no children at home. You're not a new marriage. It's not being tested. Let me tell you, marriages are always being tested. You only had one child, and you didn't have a full-time job, and you didn't live in a major. Yes, I know that. I know your stories. I know your stories inside and out. I have spent the last 35 years listening to stories of the lives of women. And I'm asking you to consider that the kingdom of noise is very present in our world. I'm going to talk to you in a few shows from now about distraction, the distraction of noise that keeps us from listening. One thing I know, being my age, and what I have learned is that I want what I want, and usually I get what I want. I, I hesitated saying that out loud, because I don't really even like admitting it, because there are times when I want it, and I shouldn't have it, or I shouldn't eat it, or I shouldn't do it, or I shouldn't stay up that late, or I shouldn't get up that early, or I shouldn't say no to a friend who says, how about a cup of coffee when my day is already packed? But if I want it, I usually get what I want. So often women say to me, yeah, but I don't have time, and I have this and I have that. I want to say to you, I'm praying for you this year that you will want stillness that you will want to retreat, that you will want a cessation of everything that's going on in your world. Maybe that's 10 minutes locked in the bathroom where it's quiet. Maybe you're trading off with your husband and you say to him, just, just give me 30 minutes and then 
I'll take the children and you can have 30 minutes so that there's an alone time that you're positively sure that everything that might blow up, a child who might fall down, that, that there's someone watching and protect, protecting. Maybe it's trading it with a friend in a neighborhood. Maybe it's child care with a friend who's in the same stage in life you are. Carve out a time. Some retreat time matters. Now, again, I want to say to you, I know my age. I know how long I've practiced this. But I want to remind you of this was the hardest discipline in the world for me. Um, I don't know if I have these common ailments of too much, too much, that I know. My brain goes too fast, and I have a very hard time sitting still. I had to literally set a timer. I can still remember someone had encouraged me to spend an hour with God, and I thought, well, I have 24 hours, and every day I'm certain I could find an hour for God. I, I was maybe 40 years old. I, I couldn't sit still for an hour. I couldn't sit still for 15 minutes, and my brain wasn't still at all. And this is years ago, when 30 years ago, when there were many more places to find quiet. So I began. I sat quiet for five minutes, and then seven minutes, and then 14 minutes, and then I could sit quietly for an hour. Lovely book that was given to me about that time in life called Basking in His Presence, and it tells a great story of a woman who went every day and sat in the church. Custodian kept watching her. She wasn't reading, she wasn't praying, she wasn't thumbing through her Bible, she wasn't writing in a journal, she wasn't doing any of those things. Finally, he said to her, I'm sorry, ma'am, but could you tell me what you're doing? And her reply was quite simple. I look at Jesus, and he looks at me. God invites us. Adele is right. We are receiving invitations over and over again. And Jesus invited his disciples to come away to a deserted place. Come away to a deserted place and rest a while. You can find that in the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 30. Jesus himself said to the disciples, come away to a deserted place and rest with me. And this invitation, he invites us to also. This is a different kind of rest than a nap or a good night's sleep, seldom found if you have a small infant. His rest is perfect and deep and fulfilling and long-lasting. And I can attest to this. I can tell you that 10 minutes still with the Lord is far better than one hour watching a new TV series, which I think will bring me some comfort. Retreat means silence or solitude. It includes spiritual disciplines. Many years ago, uh, for those of you who are new to us, I began the habit of a Sabbath rest. It's kind of a long, complicated story. I'm not going to tell it today. It came out of the teaching that I did on the Ten Commandments. I thought, okay, Lord, I'll take a Sabbath rest. Tell me what to do. And the first thing I did was take four hours to Sabbath. I had a yellow pad, a Bible, and a book, and I went into a room in our house and closed the door. And I got there, and I can still remember the feeling like, Okay, what's next? I, I, so I just had not done that, but my invitation was to Sabbath. And about four years later, a woman who is now very known in the world of spiritual formation, Ruth Haley Barton, wrote a book called Invitation to Solitude and Silence. Four years I've been practicing Sabbath, 
and her opening quote in the book is from Blaise Pascal, who the philosopher who said, all the unhappiness of men arise from one single fact. They cannot stay quietly in their own room. I was so struck with that. I thought, this is, this is the frustration that I sense and feel in myself and I sense and feel in women as I talk and hear their stories. So while I had many other spiritual disciplines being practiced, I did not have a good discipline about being quiet and still. I had a wonderful place to go to, but in the early days, I literally sat on the floor in my literal closet underneath my shirts. You know, I really liked that time. I felt cozy and protected, and no one found me for a long time until I figured out that's where I was. So this summer, I was invited to an eight-day retreat of complete silence. Um, you know me well. Uh, my producer is always reminding me of how long the show is going. I like to talk. I like to listen. I like to laugh. I like to be with people. Eight days of silence felt a little daunting to me. So that's what I did. And it was an amazing time. I want to tell you a story, but I'm going to tell you the story when we meet together the next time about how that eight days began. But God issued the invitation, and I'm issuing an invitation to you this year to listen for love and learning. God invited me to make a space for a retreat. And what happened the rest of the summer were places that he provided four hours for two different mornings in the friend who lives in Massachusetts's window seat looking out over her woods. Two-thirds of a day of a surprise in a hotel in Minneapolis. Three early mornings, early, early mornings with absolute complete stillness in someone's home who lives in a small town in Wisconsin. Never expected to find that. On the deck in the pier of a lake in Coeur d'Alene and on a four-mile boardwalk through the Teton Mountains. God provided retreat after retreat after retreat. So this is my summer. My summer was a summer of retreating and the challenge for this year, the new theme, is listening for love and learning. It's been a great year and I hope that you will invite others to come and join us. Now on the end of this show, I want to do two things. One which I always do is just read through a list of books that I read this summer. But this is a bit more pulse, more personal. Um, I'm a bit compulsive. If you know me, you probably know that. I Order matters to me. And sometimes order matters to me too much. So this year, I'm committed to more spontaneity. That may mean that I say, okay, we're stopping this show now, and we'll finish it later. And that might be three days later. Will you, will you go with me? Will you share my spontaneity this year? As I learn to listen and be near, I want to reduce my being perfect in my presentations. Okay? Can you, can you bear that with me? I happen to be, as my friend Sandy Wilson says, a recovering perfectionist. So I have to watch how I present every lecture with its perfect beginning, middle, and end. 
So I love to read. I love my books. My top book here is a um, beautiful journal uh, by paper blanks that I have filled up with writings and stories and quotes. Very personal. Um, continuing my readings through the Eugene Peterson Message Devotional Bible, which includes on almost every page an excerpt from something in Eugene's personal library. And to mention Eugene is to mention his newest um, authorized biography that came out this spring, written by Wynne Collier, and the book is called A Burning in My Bones, A Burning in My Bones. When I got to 100 pages left, I had to stop and say, oh no, it's almost over. And then I parceled out five or six pages a day so I didn't get to it too fast. And you'll be glad to know that I highly recommend this book and that Lynn Collier will be with us for a show um, or two this year. Stephen Smith and Peter Ivey, who wrote a little book called Solo, S-O-L-O, Solo, Creating a Space with God. A book written by someone I've never heard of but was sent to me. She's actually a psychologist. Her name is Andi, A-U-N-D-I, Colbert, K-O-L-B-E-R, and the book is Try Softer. Have you ever heard someone say to you, try harder, you can do this. Try harder, you can do this. I think I say to myself that every day. This book is Try Softer. Mm. You might hear a little of that. You might, but then again, you might not. Living in the Sabbath with a foreword by Wendell Berry, discovering the rhythms of rest and delight. Invitation to Retreat, How to Really Love Your Child by Ross Campbell, which I've read many times, and you'll hear some of that this year. Invitation to Solitude and Silence, A Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren, whose first book was called The Author, um, The uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary the liturgy of the ordinary. And she talked about liturgy with regard to brushing your teeth and washing the dishes and um, taking a bath. And then the last one, which I'm rereading already, and it is written by Anne and Ray Ortland's son, Dane Ortland. So if you have been in the Bible church world, the evangelical world, you have heard of Anne and Ray Ortland. They had a large presence in ministry. Anne wrote a number of books. Ray wrote more. And this is their son, who is the pastor of a church in Naperville, Illinois. It is my hope that Dane will be also with us this year. The book is called Gentle and Lowly. And he decided to write this book because he discovered in that marvelous, very familiar passage to all of us, this passage in Matthew chapter 11, so familiar to us. Come to me, all you are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Dane Ortland brings to our attention that this is the only place in the scripture that Jesus describes himself, that he is gentle and lowly, that his heart 
is large for us. So I encourage you to gather any of those books or all of them and enjoy the fruit of my reading this evening. This is the first of a lot of shows that are to come, and today I want to introduce to you um, someone who will be joining me for all of the podcasts between now and May. Her name is Crystal Goodman. You have heard me speak of her. If you go to our website, you will find a bio as the executive director. She has been producing some of our podcasts in the last few years, and I've invited her to join me in this work. She is bright and energetic. She's committed to modern homemakers like almost no one I've ever seen in the 30 years of ministry. She has an energy and a heart for the stay-at-home mother. She herself was a stay-at-home mother. She's married, has two daughters, one who is recently married and one who is about to finish college. And in her own bio, she says that she raised these girls with the help of her husband. And I love that because she did do most of the raising. Don't you mothers agree? If you're at home full-time with the children and dads at work, you do most of the raising. And I will say that both of Crystal's daughters are lovely, lovely women. Um, she has been a leader in our community in many ministries, from Young Life to a praying ministry to her local church ministry. She comes from a family of ministers and a family of people who love Christ, both her husband's family and her family. I've known her since she was a young girl, and now she is a young woman. She's the owner and operator of a company called Organizing What? Wouldn't you like to work for her? Organizing What? Which means she can help you organize anything. And I am glad to welcome her to the podcast. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of recognizing your soil in your soul.